0: there and welcome to another fortnightly episode of war starts at midnight i'm chris gallagher
1: and i'm jacob graves on today's show max crawford
0: returns to discuss chris's war crime roadhouse plus i've got a double ipa you should try next time you visit the double deuce and we've each got something you should totally check out in really rad recommendations but first Hey, Jake. Hey, Chris. Hey, Max. Hey, Chris. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're here to discuss one of my war crimes. For those who may be new to the Midnight Warrior Clan, war crimes are sort of our, they're films that we shamefully admit we've never seen, and so we seek them out and discuss them on the show and uh, pay penance for our cinematic sins of never having seen a film.
1: I, I've, I've, uh, paid penance for some of my war crimes like, uh, Halloween and alien and, and Chris gets to do roadhouse.
2: I just appreciated that. It got that designation as a war crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, other, other war crimes I've done predator. <laughs> I mean, and then there are, there are plenty of, you know, bigger art house films that I haven't seen or that, that sort of, but, uh, it seems like the genre films are, the more like prevalent for me, just because like there's a lot of stuff that for some reason I never saw. Probably because we were a, a grocery store video family, and uh you know it was <laughs> it was running Mrs. Doubtfire. Or, I don't want to uh,
1: go throwing stones. I feel like some of this is your dad's fault. I feel like some of the like he should have sat down and showed you Predator and Rocky at some point.
0: My dad doesn't watch movies, so I mean you might be right, but yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not trying to call out Mr. Gallagher, but but at some point.
0: So, uh, Max, how many how many times would you say a week you watch Roadhouse? the The safe answer would be at least three. Wow, that's you know that's probably more than I watch Fantastic Mr. Fox a week, and uh, I have a child who's obsessed with Fantastic Mr. Fox. My wife would say the same thing. I I kind of feel like we should be talking with her about this about it's your your session. Obsession. It's how how long have you been going strong on this now? When did this start? I believe in November of last year.
1: Man. And and you still find new stuff to appreciate every time you see it? Every single time.
2: I was going when I was uh, when I was preparing for this, we were talking they're like she said they're going to ask you why do you watch it this much and you need to have a better answer than you really like the movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> And so, no, that's totally it. I, I could give you a bunch of bullshit <laughs> reasons, but no, it's I just really enjoy the movie. It's got it all. It's got action. It's got good versus evil. It's got romance. It's got knives. It's
0: got
1: look. We, we we all know you love it and why you love it, but I I'm really interested in what Chris thought of this movie, seeing it for the very first time.
0: Are you saying we should just dive
1: into the review? Does a hobby horse have a wooden dick?
0: Patrick Swayze is dog. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How does a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice.
1: Don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door.
0: Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I Keep talking, you're gonna go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? The worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. <laughs> tired okay guys so roadhouse stars patrick swayze he plays a guy named dalton dalton is his max first name or last name uh it's his last
2: name first name james
0: james dalton he is a uh bar cooler which i guess is a a thing or was was at least an occupation in the 80s Uh, Very well paid. He's really into Tai Chi. He studied philosophy in college. And uh, there are a ton of knives in this movie. Max, what else am I leaving out? Uh, You're leaving out
2: the Bigfoot monster truck, which makes a beautiful cameo. Uh, You're missing out on the blind rock sensation, uh, Jeff Healy. (laughs) Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. And you're missing one of the most
1: Action-packed, crowded ball barroom brawls since Westworld. I I think I said this (laughs) last time you were on the show. That brawl goes on for for seven minutes. If I had, I didn't time it, but it just keeps going. There, people died in that brawl. It was just there's so much sugar glass. I can only imagine. What, what that scene took. I, I just like, I like that Dalton watches with, and just does not try to step in. Like, you think at some, like, moral fiber, he should be just like, I'm going to stop this brawl, this is too much. He's just like, nah, it's my first day, I want to see how it goes.
0: To Max's point, the sugar glass budget on this movie had to be even higher than the Merkin budget on The Master. <laughs> <laughs> And that's in that's in nineteen eighty nine dollars too. That's in nineteen eighty nine dollars. Yeah, not even where it would like if adjusted for inflation, it would be like an order of magnitude higher.
2: It's actually it's it's double. Um, I did look that up for the uh, for the scene where they offer to to hold the woman's breasts. That is the 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 inflation from eighty nine is is about fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. The, and so, that wasn't me preparing for this movie. I just that's in, in my watchings. So I was like, ah, oh, I wonder what wonder what $20 was in
0: 1989. On on the surface, this is a movie that uh doesn't or shouldn't age well with this, you know, sort of uh woke age that we are in right now. Uh but I I I think it's somehow still like there there are definitely some things that you could say are hashtag problematic. But I think there's there's a lot of stuff that actually surprisingly held up. I was surprised by this movie, Max. I think
2: it the one of the main reasons it holds up is that it doesn't take itself seriously in a lot of ways. And that helps it age. I think if you're if you're too serious on a film, sometimes those will come off poorly, but they're having a good time, and you can see that, and that's
1: that's timeless. It never existed in a real world anyway. Exactly. Like the Roadhouse universe isn't a real universe. It's some kind of parallel universe where where coolers and 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 bouncers are these celebrities that everybody in the bar community knows. Like like people at the Double Deuce know these guys when they walk in. It's like oh my god,
0: it's Dalton. Apparently, at any bar. They know who this guy is. Apparently, he makes enough money to literally throw his car keys to a homeless guy and say, keep it, it's yours, and then drive off in a Mercedes.
1: Look, if we're going to suspend disbelief to watch Iron Man fly through the air with a a nuclear reactor for a heart, why can't we believe that there's a world where the double deuce could exist and, and Dalton could be the celebrity of celebrities and have ripped multiple people's throats out, one off camera and one on? And that the most dramatic part of the movie is going to be where he chooses not to rip a man's throat out.
0: If that's not if that's not a climax, I don't know what is. Which has been totally undermined by the <laughs> weird. Like that's that was the thing that I was not prepared for. This with this movie is like the if it was handled with a different tone, this would totally be a horror movie. Like everything builds up to like a uh, straw dogs or that sort of like outsider comes into a town where nobody likes him sort of situation. Uh, but it's not played for horror. It's played for we're in the eighties. <laughs> and so it, what? it culminates in this ending that is like kind of out of left field, but you've seen enough knives and people <laughs> stab with knives up to this point where you're like, yeah, well, okay, I guess that's, I guess that's how we're going to end it. Cool.
1: I love its attitude when, when when Dalton fights the 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 martial arts dude on the beach and he rips his throat out and and his the the love interest I don't remember what her name was or if she had a name her name's doc of course so but but she sees him have have ripped the throat out but it's played almost like a sitcom misunderstanding just like she didn't know I was in a fight to my death right before this. If she only knew, she wouldn't be mad at me.
0: It's taken so many weird twists by that point that, like, (laughs) I was on board. Like, I think the place where this movie won me over with just the, like, okay, whatever you say, we're going to do it, was the, I don't know, two and a half minute Tai Chi scene that comes out of (laughs) nowhere.
1: See, For me, I think the spot where it won me over was where they drive Bigfoot through a car dealership. (laughs) That's later, And no one seems to
0: notice or care. Uh, I will say that 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 was when I was also won over. I am shocked, utterly shocked that in the thanks for this movie, they didn't have thanks for Ford, Valvoline, or Colt 45. uh, (laughs) Because clearly they were plugging those, uh, along with other things like just the general knife industry um like there's cult 45 signs everywhere there's valvoline signs everywhere and then everyone drives a ford ben gazar is driving one of those awful crappy 80s ford mustangs that doesn't even have a mustang on it and and just going on joy rides all over every every lane left and right doesn't care everyone drives a ford in this except for patrick swayze and then when when they start the when they first
2: show the double deuce, you can hear like the bikers go What's wrong with Detroit cars?
1: Like they even like bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love that you're at the point where you're like quoting word for word what the biker extras said. Um I will say, Chris, when
2: you're talking about like this this playing into a horror film. I mean, it would be remiss if we didn't say that this drew a lot from Western films. Uh, specifically, I mean, he's he's the hired gun to clean up the town. Um, sure. I will say, where the hell is the police force just in general? There's no cops at all. Uh, there was a scene they shot where they introduced the sheriff that was cut from the film. Because uh, the original uh, length of it was like three and a half hours and they had to trim it down. <laughs> Um, so there is, was like is that there's a available? bunch is that there's a available? bunch of plot lines that got cut um, uh, because of that, which adds to the campiness because they still have a couple of pieces in there that make no sense whatsoever. For example, uh, Carrie Anne singing just in the middle of the
0: that was totally unexplained in the movie. Is there? Are you saying there's a whole Carrie Anne subplot that we there's missed? a there's a whole Carrie Anne subplot? Um, in fact, there were scenes shot with her and Dalton, like
2: in a car, where she asked Dalton. Do you like women or do you like men? Like where she questions his sexuality.
1: Hey, Chris, you remember that time that Carrie Ann saw Dalton's butt in the movie and it didn't go anywhere? Yep. I sure (laughs) do. I forgot about that until just now. (laughs) So I know this
2: film really kind of seemed like a a star vehicle for Patrick as he was basically the the only real, I think, actor of substance outside of maybe Sam Elliott. What did you guys think of the other uh, the other casting?
0: I'm glad you asked that because I actually like throughout the movie, I was wondering, like, do you think the Coen brothers were fans of this movie? Because we've got Sam Elliott and then we've also got Ben Gazzara and Ben Gazzara sort of playing as Brad Wesley. He's sort of the same character as Jackie Treehorn from The Big Lebowski. Um, I think Patrick Swayze is definitely the one who carries this movie. He's the reason to watch this movie, I think, and and I really appreciate that so much of his performance in this is, and it you know it goes down to the character, but so much of his performance in this is just sitting and watching. It's almost you know Dalton almost functions as the Coolshaw effect in human form or in character form throughout this entire movie.
1: So, Chris, do you want to explain that for non film school? students
0: Sure so the Kulshov effect leave Kulshov back in like the teens I think the 19 teens who he was a filmmaker and a film theorist um you know early 20th century uh and he made this little short experiment where he took a well-known Russian actor and uh showed this little short film where first it shows him and um it shows him and then it shows of Series of cutaway shots. So it's him and a bowl of soup, and he's looking at the soup, and you can tell that he's so hungry. And then it's him looking at a beautiful woman, and you see him, you see the beautiful woman, you can tell that he's just in love. You see him, and then you see a dead girl in a coffin, and then you see you feel the like remorse, the sorrow, the pain in him uh, as you're. He's looking at this dead uh, child uh but Shav actually what he did is he took the exact same shot and just duplicated it three or four however many times and uh it's his face combined with whatever the uh cutaway shot was was what created the emotion we were just reading whatever sort of the information is in the Uh, context of the cut
1: right the sum of the two shots is greater than just the two shots themselves it's the context between them
0: yeah and and basically that is the that is the grammar of editing that is like at at its core the grammar of editing is a plus b equals something that a lot of times isn't even there in the actual text but by combining them, you create a new text. And but but that's what Dalton's doing throughout this is you are trying to figure out what he's thinking. And ultimately a lot of times it's kind of whatever you surmise from what's going on around him, not necessarily what Patrick Swayze's performance is. Uh, but I really like that because it's restrained and it's not what I was expecting from Swayze at all.
1: I think when it came to for him not to just stand there looking, I think he 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 did a really good job. Um Especially when Sam Elliott came on interacting with him, I, I think that's where he actually got to act a little bit. Sure, and he, even if it was a little over dramatic when he was just uh, pondering how how bad he felt about that one time he killed that girl's husband, <laughs> uh, but it still at least gave him a little something to do. He was great. He was great the entire time, though. I mean, I mean, he did exactly what needed to be done, and without him, this movie could have been really, really bad. Like a so bad it's good instead of. Instead of what it is now, which is just a really, really fun ride. Well, this this did make
2: the
0: Razzie's top one hundred list. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's that like it's not a so bad it's good movie for me. It's it's very much an eighties movie, but in uh in a way that's acceptable. Uh I I will say I was not expecting to see Sam Elliott's pubic hair.
2: I don't I don't think I don't think
0: the cameraman was either. <laughs> Or the act, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Kelly Lynch was either. Yeah, like that totally came out of came out of left field. But I, I guess I've never seen this. Might be the oldest thing I've ever seen with Sam Elliott. He he's kind of still playing semi heartthrob bad boy in this versus like most of the stuff that I'm used to him is, you know, he's playing a cowboy or he's playing an older dude. Um, It was fun to see him in that sort of. You know, obviously he's a he's a silver fox still, but uh, a little more you know spry and vibrant. It was a, uh, I really enjoyed Elliot's performance in this too.
1: Yeah, he he plays a role that you don't see too much, which is older but still heartthrob, but going going a little bit silver and he's tough, but he's skinny. He's not be- like it was an interesting role. But but back to the the so bad it's good thing. The reason I think this doesn't fall into the so bad it's good category is because I think it achieved what it was trying to do. I'm not laughing at the movie. The movie has a bizarre world that it's building, but it's doing it in a way that no other movie does. Like It's just, this is a bizarre world, and this is a story within this bizarre world. They're not failing at conveying that world to me. I totally get it. It's not so bad, it's good, really, at any
0: point. This is not your like 70s verite or you know there there is no verisimilitude to this film it's not it's not trying to say this is a reflection of the world it's trying to say like this is a movie this is a world that we are making that could only exist in in a film and uh enjoy the ride you're going to have you're, you're going to have excess, you're going to have action, you're going to have knives. Guys, have I mentioned the knives in this movie? There's a lot of knives.
1: There are so many knives, you could make half of a dangerous man.
0: <laughs> there are knives and butts, but no knives in butts.
1: I don't know. Is there ever a situation where it's not dangerous men and there's a knife and a butt? Because
2: that feels like it's a real one-off.
1: <laughs> we can't help it that John S. Rad is the best filmmaker.
0: A real, I mean, yeah, Rad was a visionary. We can all accept that. Um, but here's the thing. He probably filmed that scene back in like 1984 and still, for 20 years, no one else put a knife in a butt. Can you believe that?
1: No, I think he might have filmed those scenes right after he saw Roadhouse.
0: Yeah, we don't know when I mean, clearly she was still uh she she was still in the cast at that point. She hadn't decided this has taken ten years of my life. I can't do anymore. Uh, so it's probably, yeah, early 90s would be the max. And uh, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you should watch Dangerous Men.
1: Max, have you seen Dangerous Men?
0: I've seen it at Chris's house. I
1: feel like if we had a copy at your house that you might start watching it instead of Roadhouse. Here's the deal.
2: Uh, Not only am I crazy for Swayze, but my wife is too. So it gets a pass when it's on.
1: Yeah, but, but has your wife seen Black Pepper?
2: I don't think I could get that. Like she would watch it once maybe and then she'd like turn that off and never play it again. Um, I have played some other, some canon films, like the Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, And like she's walked in and she's like, no, stop this. So that's, I don't know if that would fly. Um, I did want to talk about, there was one character or one actor in here that kind of snuck by that I noticed when I first watched it just in the back uh, was Keith David. Yeah. Is a bartender. Um, Again, he had a bigger role um, where he, they, he like, introduces his wife to Dalton, but the scene got cut. So that, again, there's bigger roles for basically everybody in the movie, but Keith David being in there was just strange, but he had a speaking part in it, but that still made it into the final cut.
0: Yeah. But he just sort of shows up. That was a like watching there because I knew what I knew about this movie is I knew the double deuce and I knew Patrick Swayze. Those were the things that I knew exist in this movie. This is not the movie that I was expecting at all.
1: You didn't know what he used to do to guys like him in prison.
0: I didn't. I, you know, I didn't know. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that everyone thought he would be bigger. Um, I, so I'm watching through and it's, you know, opening credits and it's like Keith David, Sam Elliott, what is going on? Ben Gazzara. Like, this is not the movie that I, I thought I was getting into. I, all this is to say that I was pleasantly surprised with this. It's, it's a weird little movie. It's definitely of a time, but, uh, it was fun. I'm uh I'm certainly I you know I don't know if I could watch it three times a week, uh but this is a this is a good one. Thank you, Max.
1: I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on the on the fact that Rowdy Harrington shot a three and a half hour version of Roadhouse and had to cut it down. Where is that film?
0: It's right next to uh, the rules don't apply director's cut. <sighs> don't make me sad, guys. I have a little game that I want to. I want to play with you guys. Well, not not necessarily a game I want to play, but a game I want to set up for the Midnight Warriors that perhaps they can play whenever they watch Roadhouse. You ready for this? Does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? I'll take that as a yes. So guys, I would like to uh, come up with our own rules for the Roadhouse drinking game. I have a few here uh, that I've laid out, but I'd like you to contribute your own if you if you got them. So let me let me just start out. Um, drink every time someone pulls a knife. Have I mentioned there's a lot of knives in this movie?
1: Can you sip every time somebody does something that wouldn't be allowed in a film made in 2018?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. And, and sipping is probably the right choice there too.
1: We don't want anyone to die, right? Uh, take a shot uh,
2: anytime there's an on-screen tracheotomy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I've got another one. It's sort of part B to my first one. So drink every time you see someone pull a knife. But if the blade is longer than four inches, and you'll just have to guesstimate here, uh, you need to finish your drink.
1: One of the lines I loved in this movie, there's so much stabbing and fist fighting and throat ripping going out. And and then that one guy says, I'm gonna kill you the old fashioned way and pulls out a gun.
0: But also, wasn't that the same guy who uh, used to do things to guys in prison? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He just, I don't think he understand how words worked. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we can give him a pass just because he, he, he was like shooter McGavin saying I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Oh my God. Can, can
1: you, can you drink every time that guy's on screen? Just on screen. Just when you see Jimmy, he just take a drink. Oh, I'm sorry. I knew he had a name. Why didn't I ask you, Max?
0: <sighs> so, so I've got a punny rule here. Uh, you should take shots every time a pool cue is used as a weapon.
2: Uh huh. Uh? So um I've got if anybody comments on Dalton's size, uh when you see Bigfoot at all. Um if someone speaks Spanish. Uh and then this one is actually like this is where I'm like because I've watched this movie too many times, if you were to finish your drink when you when they say dick, I think you're gonna drink three times. Um so when they say like <laughs> like Like, uh, there's just, they'll use like dick, they call them dickless or like, I'm sure not going to show you my dick. Like there's a, there's a few times when they do it. Does a hobby horse
0: have a wooden dick?
2: Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's like, and and they're pretty spaced out. They're spaced out far enough that that's like an actual decent, like if I was really (laughs) making a game, that would be a safe, like marker.
0: So what's the one that I'm most concerned with is I thought you would be bigger. Is that. A drink is that a what are we? You would we? have you
2: would have to do a sip again. We got to play it safe here.
0: Uh, I I've also got drink every time a shotgun is cocked, which <laughs> uh, you know doesn't happen throughout most of this movie. But the third act, there's a lot. Like I'm pretty sure there are guys who cock their shotguns, do not fire them, and then cock them again thirty seconds later. <laughs> okay, I've got just two more. So penultimate is. Shots when a knife is lethal. So for those of you playing at home, that's three rules about knives. Uh, and then finally, butt chug after every death by taxidermized trophy animal. But, but, but hold on, Jake. I know where you're going with this. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say no one dies by taxidermized trophy animal, which is true. <laughs> but if you play this with a friend who's never seen roadhouse by the time they realize that that dude didn't die by polar bear it just fell on tinker Tinker didn't die tinker as he said polar bear fell on me uh they've already put a beer in their butt is this friend not gonna notice that you're not putting a beer in your butt they do it first. You you say, hey man, I'll assist you, you assist me, and then and then you say, Oh, look, a knife.
1: Better drink. I feel like the real loser is you for assisting your friend
0: doing a butt chug. I didn't put a beer in my butt.
1: I like that the logic of this game is right on par with the roadhouse world.
0: <laughs> Exactly. This I, <laughs> this this game should only be should only be played while living in the roadhouse world.
1: And if your friend is like, nah, I'm not doing a butt chug, you pull a four inch knife on him. Right. And then they have to finish their drink.
2: Or you tell them that you used to butt chug beers like him in prison. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Chris, when you sit down to watch Roadhouse and you're tricking your friend into butt chugging a beer,
0: what should you pour down the funnel? Um, I would not recommend you waste this beer on a butt chug. Uh, so on the last episode, I recommended a beer I'd never had that was made in collaboration with Against the Grain Brewing. And so I decided maybe I should actually recommend something I have had from against the grain brewing for roadhouse. And I found something that I think is, is going to fit nicely. It's called Citra ass down double IPA by against the grain brewing in Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, so since this is a double IPA, it's coming in at an 8.2% ABV and a 68 IBU. So, uh, Little high, not terribly high. Um, and it comes in these great sixteen ounce pint pint cans. This is a really good kind of clean, uh, very drinkable double IPA. Um, as the name would suggest, it's uh kind of main characteristic is this uh Citra hop profile, which is kind of really it's really juicy, it's a little um it's as the strain would suggest it has a a bit of sort of a, uh, orangey citrus, uh, flavor to it, both, both flavor and, uh, aroma. Um, it's, you know, honestly, I would say from time to time, I'll, I'll recommend an IPA that, uh, I think if you are opposed to IPAs, maybe you should check out and maybe it'll, you know, like a gateway IPA, if you will. I think this could be, could be that, like, it's still hoppy, but there's enough going on. It's very well balanced. Um, the citra hops are just delicious. They're not. They're not so abrasive, and um, it's just it's a real good sipper. Uh, and you know, a lot of a lot of more aggressive IPAs, I think, as they get warmer, they get more intimidating to to folks. This is one, even in the pint can, as it as it warms, it's still pretty darn good. And uh, they're also, I appreciate that for, you know, we're talking about Roadhouse. This is a film from the 80s that, you know, isn't trying to put on airs uh, of any kind. Uh, This beer from the, uh, on on the can itself, it tells you that you should drink it straight from the can. Don't bother pouring it in a glass. Just drink it from the can. Enjoy it. Uh, That's Citra Ass Down from Against the Grain Brewing.
1: Right, so so your butt chug beer is ass down.
0: Hey Jake, if the Midnight Warriors want to see uh, Roadhouse, where can they see it?
1: Roadhouse is currently streaming on Stars, or is available for purchase from all impeccable purveyors of motion pictures, including Hollywood Video.
0: War Starts at Midnight brought you by Hollywood Video. Yeah.
1: Or if you can't find it there, you can probably go around Max's house and just look through a window or something. So if you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com.
0: Or if email isn't your thing, we would still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail at 484 424 6362. That's 484 4Cinema.
1: Stick around for our really rad recommendations coming up next.
0: boys it's that time again last call it's time for really red recommendations max since you're our guest uh would you mind going first
2: my recommendation also has Patrick, also stars patrick swayze in it and that is the 1991 film uh, point break uh, also starring keanu reeves also another war crime for me
1: and a war crime for me as well
2: there is another actress that was also in our house that is in point break oh really and that's julie michaels who plays denise who um, man, okay. Well, I'm gonna tell you guys the scene. They they do a raid on a house, and there's a girl taking a shower, and she nakedly beats the shit out of Keanu Reeves. That's Denise. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the movie I haven't seen. I'm talking about the movie you haven't seen. Okay, but who, de- who was who Denise she in, in this house? movie? The naked, the, the main squeeze, like Denise, like the, the blonde haired girl, not Kelly Lynch. Oh, the girl yeah, who does yeah, like the, yeah. one the strip who got beat
1: for hitting on Dalton.
2: Yep. Gotcha. But if you've seen Point Break and you've seen Roadhouse, it's amazing fact because like, is it going to be the naked girl in the shower who beats the shit out of Keanu Reeves? And it is. And that's hilarious. Point Break is available
0: on Crackle and the other usual places. Awesome. I need to check it out. Jake, what do you got?
1: Uh, So I wanted to recommend something a little more recent than Point Break. Uh, So I went with 1992's Pure Country, starring George Strait.
0: (laughs) Have you seen Pure Country, Chris? (laughs) You know, I haven't seen Pure Country. I'm not sure it's a war crime, but convince me. Uh,
1: So it is very, very underrated. I I feel like George Strait could have been a movie star. And as far as like pop or country stars who were like, I'm going to act in a movie. With the possible exception of Chris Christopherson. He's the best at it. Like, he 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 really does a good job in this movie. Wrong.
0: It's this, he does. Wrong. Who, who? Dwight Yoakam, motherfucker.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. Dwight Yoakam's number one. And then Christopherson and then, then George Strait, as far as country actors go. But George Strait in this movie is kind of playing in his wheelhouse. He's playing a country star who has gone to pop. And there's too much loud guitar and smoke, and and he he's sick of the whole thing, so he just abandons his tour to go out and and live the life uh, that that he remembers, you know, on a farm working and all that stuff. So so kind of kind of reminds me a little bit of Roadhouse in a couple ways, but the the main thing that made me think of Pure Country is I saw that bartender with the 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 dirty stash, and I said, is that is that George Strait's friend from Pure Country? And I, I looked up the actor's name, and it was John Doe. And I said, "I'm never finding this because this is obviously a, a a name where he disavowed the role." No, his name's John Doe. <laughs> yep, that's the actor's name. So, uh, yeah. So, so you can find this to stream anywhere you rent movies. I, I can't find it streaming anywhere, but you know, three bucks, four bucks, you can see it anywhere. So,
0: uh, uh, naked George Straight butt.
1: I I don't recall, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say no. But okay. that being said, I've only ever seen it on CMT, so it's possible. <laughs>
0: Fair. Okay. Uh, so, so, Chris,
1: what, what are you recommending, and is it newer than
0: 1992? Uh, no, actually. My recommendation comes from, well, it, it comes from 1976 or 1978, depending on which version you watch. Let me explain. Uh, with Ben Gazzara playing sort of a uh, two-bit gangstery dude. I'm going to actually recommend the John Cassavetes film, the killing of a Chinese bookie in which Ben Gazzara plays kind of a, he's not, he's not really a gangstery dude, but he's, uh, he's a businessman who gets himself in a hard place. And as the title was, would suggest to get out of a gambling debt has to assassinate a Chinese bookie. Um, so there's, there's two cuts of this. There's the original theatrical cut that came out in 1976 And then the director's cut that came out a couple years later in 78, which is actually the rare occurrence where a director's cut is shorter than the original release. And basically Cassavetes was under the gun, had to get uh, this out for distribution uh, to meet a deadline. And so he kind of, before he was fully finished forming uh, the film, released it, decided he was still unhappy with it, went back. Uh, chopped some stuff down, made it a little more concise, and re-released it. I actually kind of rather, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on my mood, but I, I rather like the 76 version. I think it gives you a little more of the atmosphere of of the film. I mean, it's basically what I've told you of the plot is the plot of the the movie. There's not a whole lot more to it, but the entire movie is about the atmosphere, and you get more of that atmosphere in the 76 version. Uh, that said, maybe if you're not into like more languid or John, if, if this is your first John Cassavetes, 78 might be the best way to jump into this. Gazar is great. Um, he plays this, uh, he's a kind of small time businessman. He runs a uh, kind of, it's it's a brothel sort of, or a strip joint that does all of these. Uh, but it's not it's not just, you know, women up taking their clothes off. He actually orchestrates uh, musical numbers, and he takes a lot of pride in what he does, and uh, it's a it's a very interesting little uh, establishment that he's got. He's got sort of a a family in in his club, and he respects them, and he he treats them like family, and so it's it's sort of about. I mean, really, it's about sort of this slice of life, um, and then the the whole he's got to kill a guy is just this unfortunate thing in the background that's throwing a wrench in his uh, this life that he's built for himself. Um, I don't know if this sounds at all interesting to you at all. This was my introduction to John Cassavetes and made me fall in love with his very idiosyncratic style of filmmaking, his, you know, the verisimilitude of his stuff, very, very much the opposite of everything we've been talking about with Roadhouse, but with him popping up in this sort of baddie, as this baddie character, I couldn't resist the opportunity to recommend The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, uh, because it's it's one of my favorites. It's still my favorite John Cassavetes, and it's available right now on Filmstruck, so you should watch it there. And if you don't have Filmstruck, you should subscribe, and then you should watch it there.
1: And that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Join us in another fortnight for a brand new episode of The Carpenter Shop, our ongoing exploration of the work of director John Carpenter. Next time, we're discussing his remake of a 50s alien invasion horror picture, Village of the Dam. Find us online at at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, fantasy movie league recaps, and more. Or say hello on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WSAMpod. Max, do you have anything to plug?
2: Yes, I'd like to plug my personal Twitter. It's at Wooden Warship. Uh, it's actually Worship across pretty much every social network. But specifically my Twitter, there you will find uh, my use of basically the same tweet format over and over where I say current status and then post a fantastic GIF and or uh, vaporwave screenshot.
0: I would also like to recommend your Letterboxd account because <laughs> you're the only person yeah. I know whose four favorite films are all Roadhouse. <laughs>
1: Do you log every time you watch Roadhouse? No
2: I would I did when I first started and then I and then it just it became cumbersome um, <laughs> but my bio my bio on my letterbox is I've seen Roadhouse more than you have.
1: Well if you enjoy this show as much as Max enjoys Roadhouse, write and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fine audio programming. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior Clan, and it'll make you feel awesome.
0: On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who simply hate listening through these credits, go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong at hello at Or if you're a narcissist, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. The War Starts at Midnight theme
1: song was produced by Justin Streck. And shout out to Sports for the featured music on this week's show. Find out more at sportsbandok.com. Thanks for listening, folks. A polar bear fell on me. Mind your own business, dad.
2: I'm also we did not talk about the sequel, and I'm really glad we didn't. Because I it's didn't the know f- there was a sequel. Is Swayze um, in it? No, no one's in it. Um it's horrible. Um is it like- just the cast of Grease Two? It's the cast of Grease, but you don't even get Frenchie in it. Um it's garbage. So it's Roadhouse Two. Um I've not seen it. Um, but it has oh, what's the guy's name? It's the guy from that thing you do, the lead singer. Um